Well, hey, today, because uh, Pastor Sandy's away, we're not um, actually continuing on in our You, Me, We series. We're taking a one-week break. But that means we have a special opportunity to have a guest here who's going to preach. And Nathan, why don't you come on up, man? You guys give him some love. This is Nathan Hildenbrandt. Nathan is uh, he's a, uh, he's a friend, but he is also a pastor. He's a, a church-planting apprentice with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, the denomination that we're part of. And you're a pastor at Capstone Church right now with Kyle Harnett there. You guys are just reaching out to the city, reaching out to young adults, young families. And God has put a, a vision in your heart to plant a church as well in the northwest of Calgary, I believe, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and to go after young adults and people who are far from Jesus. So uh, let's hear it for, uh, for Nathan. Let's give it up. I'm, I'm excited what God has to put on your heart for us, man. Here we go. Well, thank you. Good morning, Airdrie Alliance. I don't know. Nine o'clock was a little bit livelier than that, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how this is going to see how this is going to go. Uh, like Nick said, and Nick, thank you for for the welcome. Nick and I actually were students together at Ambrose, uh, so we kind of go way back. Uh, we took some classes together, and uh, so it's cool now to come and uh, get to share with you guys at the church where where Nick is pastoring. So, uh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be able to share from God's Word with you guys uh, this morning. Like Nick said, my name is Nathan, and I'm a pastor at a church in Calgary called Capstone Church. So we meet in uh, the inner southwest part of the city uh, in a dinner theater, and so we don't have a building, and, uh, and so it's a totally different way of thinking about church, but it just reminds me that uh, the church really isn't a building. The church is not an event. It's not a program, but the church is people. And so I'm, I'm here today with the church just as much as I would be if I were here today with the church uh, in Calgary. And that's just such a cool reminder for me being here. So thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing a church planting apprenticeship. Basically, all that that means is I'm, I'm working as a pastor in a church and also taking steps at the same time towards planting a church uh, in the future. And so the goal is that in a few months, God willing, uh, Capstone is going to send me out along with a team of people who've kind of gathered around and say, we believe in this vision as well. We want to reach a new area, a new neighborhood in the city for Christ. And uh, so we're going to be gathering. We're going to be uh, meeting somewhere in the northwest, like Nick said, close to the university. And uh, so that's kind of been a, a bit of my journey. So this whole time I've been working at Capstone, getting experience uh, in ministry there. And uh, I've just kind of been reflecting as I was kind of preparing to come here. I've just been sort of thinking through some of the, the memories and some of the, the things that I've been able to be a part of and see being at Capstone. And I thought back to, uh, and I was reminded of this, uh, with your pastors being away out of town for a, just kind of a, a time of planning and prayer. Uh, two weeks after I started working at Capstone, so this was about a year and a half ago, Kyle and I, Kyle's the pastor I work with, we took a trip uh, out of town. We had some friends who said, hey, we've got a cabin. Uh, why don't you go up there and use it? It's, it'll be quiet. You guys can take some time. And so uh, we went up there just to spend time in prayer with one another, just kind of seeking God and seeking his direction for the church and for the ministry year. And uh, so we went up there. It was super quiet. It was like Wednesday, Thursday, like middle of the week. And there was a lake there. And so how it would go is each day we'd kind of do our work sort of in the morning and, and we'd finish kind of mid-afternoon, evening, and after dinner we would take one fishing rod. Are there any fishers out there? Yeah. All the fishers went to the 9 a.m. service. That's okay. <laughs> but we would, we would grab, we had one fishing rod. Neither of us are fishers. We don't know what we're doing, but we're like, hey, let's try and figure it out. So we'd, we grabbed a fishing rod and a tackle box and a couple of lawn chairs and there was a really rickety old wooden dock that went out you know, about 60, 70 feet into the water. And so we'd, we'd kind of go out to the edge of this dock and we'd set up these chairs and, and we'd just kind of take turns fishing, which is probably not the way to do it, but, but we'd take turns. Like, we'd cast three times and then trade and, you know, we did that. And, uh, 
And on the second day when we were doing this, I remember it was, it began as a nice day, and then as time went on, and we were out there for two, three hours, uh, as time went on, we saw these big kind of clouds on the horizon, you know, kind of across the lake. It was a big lake, but we saw these big, really dark storm clouds coming, and you could kind of see flashes of lightning, and you, you know, as time went on, it came closer, we, we began to hear thunder. And uh, so naturally, because we're uh, two smart young people, uh, we decided to stay and keep fishing. And so we fished some more, and the storm kept coming closer. And I remember there was a time where I, I was holding the fishing rod in my hand, and I, as I cast the line out, it was the weirdest thing, but it's true. And I was validated by somebody. They came after me to, after the service uh, in the 9 o'clock. They came and told me that they've experienced this as well. So it's true, folks, all right? It's true. But I cast the line out, and as I did, I felt this weird, sharp, like, buzzing coming from the rod. As I'm holding it, it start, it's almost like the rod is, like, just vibrating. I'm like, man, that's not good. And so I turned to Kyle. I'm like, dude, like, maybe we should go in. Uh, this just had, like, you know, the, the, the fishing rod, as I'm holding it, it's, like, buzzing. And he's like, no, 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 that's, that's crazy. So he grabs the rod for me, and he, he casts it out, and he's like, I didn't feel anything, man. I'm like... Okay, and I'm learning. That's how most. That's how my apprenticeship goes. You know, I, I complain about something to Kyle, and Kyle's like, "Dude, you're being a baby. Just deal with it." And then we just keep going. So I'm like, "This is just normal." And so, so I cast again, but then it it feels more strong in my hand. I'm like, "I'm sure that this this fishing rod is actually like moving in my hand. Like, it, like I can feel it buzzing. It's like an electric toothbrush or something." And and so I turn to Kyle. I'm like, "Kyle, I am 100% certain that this is not good, and we should probably go." And he looks at me again, he's like, dude, it's fine. Like, I used it, it's, the, the storm is over there. By this point, it is raining where we are now, though. Um, so the lightning's kind of over there, but it's raining. Like, we're in this storm, and it's coming. And so I, I cast the line one more time. And this time, something different happened. Not only did I feel the fishing rod buzzing in my hand, but I actually heard it buzzing in my ear. Like, I audibly heard a noise, right? It was like when a, when a bug flies into one of those, like, bug zappers, it kind of made that noise, but like long. And so I turned to Kyle. I'm like, Kyle, like, did you hear that? Like, it just made a noise. And he's, he's turning and he's going he's gonna to kind of shut me down again, but his face just drops and his eyes go huge. And he's not really looking at my face anymore, but he's kind of looking at my, my forehead area. And he's like, dude, your hair is standing straight up on end. He's like, <laughs> he's like it looks like I took a balloon. And it was a lot shorter back then, all right? So it was, it was short and it was standing. And he's like, it looks like someone took a balloon and just like rubbed it all over your hair. And now your hair is just standing on end. So finally, I had him on board. I'm like, this is not a good idea. We got to go. And so we just dropped the fishing rod, dropped the tackle box. We booked it up to the cabin. As soon as we got in, we shut the door, and there was just this thunderous boom of thunder and this bright flash of lightning. It was so uh, loud and so close that it, sh it literally shook the windows. The windows moved, and we, and we could hear them kind of rattling. It was not a very new cabin, but <laughs> uh, the windows were rattling. And so we're standing there, and we're just shocked. We're like, what just happened? And so, uh, you know, there's some millennials in this room. Uh, what do two millennials do when you don't know something? The answer is something. Yeah, you Google it, right? So we, we got our phones out. We're both Googling, like, what does it mean when your hair stands up in a lightning storm? And uh, so we Googled it, and uh, the very first article that came up had a big picture on top uh, that was this. It looked like this. And so, so hair standing on end like this, we read this story. Apparently, this is a common thing. I'd never heard of this before. These guys, this was in the 70s, so a long time ago, but they were on a, on a hike with some friends, and they got caught in a thunderstorm, and their hair started doing this, and they thought it was hilarious, and one of their friends had a camera, so they're like, take my picture, and so they take their picture. Two minutes after this picture was taken, the guy on the right was struck by a bolt of lightning, and it's just crazy, 
You know, and so I thought that'd be funny or not sad, but <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm a bad person. He was struck by lightning. And so we're standing in this cabin reading this on our, on our iPhones. And we're like, oh my gosh, like my body. So I was reading what was happening. What happens is your body is literally building up a charge so that you can be the path of least resistance for the lightning to take to the ground. And so we were maybe moments from potentially being struck by lightning. And it all came because we were just, we just wanted to go fish. We just wanted to catch some fish and hang out and, and take it easy. Um, and so I was kind of thinking, and that's one of the most memorable uh, stories and experiences from my apprenticeship, because that doesn't happen that often. Uh, but as I was thinking about it, it's, that story is actually memorable, not just because we almost got hit by lightning, became a human lightning rod, but, um, but it's also memorable because of the time that we spent fishing. Because when we were fishing, uh, we were having a conversation, Kyle and I, and, and I had a realization then, and, and I had that realization again this week. But uh, the realization was just this, that following Jesus is a lot like fishing. Right, following Jesus is a lot like fishing, so much so that Jesus actually uses that picture he uses that image in, uh, as a way of describing what following him is like. And so we're going we're gonna to study that today in God's word. And so I'm going to pray, and then in a moment we're going to turn to Matthew and read from uh, Matthew's gospel. So uh, would you just join uh, with me in prayer this morning? Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this church. Thanks for Airdrie Alliance. And God, the ways that you're using them to be a light in this community. And God, we pray for their leadership team as, they are, uh, as they're still out of town, just praying and, and seeking your face and seeking your direction for this church. Lord, would you speak to them and would you meet them? God, would you meet us here this morning? I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. God, would you touch every heart? Would you meet every person exactly where we're at today? Lord, only you can do that. So Jesus, speak to us through your word. In your name we pray, amen. So if you brought your Bibles with you, uh, can you turn to Matthew chapter 4? I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation today, so that might be a little bit different translation than what you're used to. Um, and so the words that I'm going to be reading are going to be up on these screens, so you can follow along there uh, too if you'd like. So Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to be reading from uh, verses 18 to 22. It says this, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other men, two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat, and they left their father and followed him. So when we read this passage today, we see that Jesus does, in fact, use this picture. And this is one of the first uh, parts of his ministry. He's beginning his ministry, and he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So he uses this, this picture, this analogy of fishing, very, very early on. And so Jesus is beginning his ministry. So he's, uh, he grew up in a town called Nazareth, but then he moved to Capernaum. And Capernaum is a town that's right on the edge of uh, what's called the Sea of Galilee in Israel. And so Jesus is just walking along the Sea of Galilee. Maybe he's just, you know, leaving his house and, and taking a walk. And, and, and this is the beginning of his ministry. And the first thing that he does is he finds these four fishermen and he extends this invitation to them. He says, he says, come follow me. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So Jesus puts out this invitation that he says, this is going to lead to your transformation. So the invitation, what Jesus is saying 
to these men is what I believe he's saying to us now. It's what he says uh, to people all throughout history. This is the call of Christ on our lives. It's Jesus is saying, come follow me and let's go fishing together. Jesus is saying that to you and to me right now. He's saying, let's go fishing. So we're gonna unpack this. We're gonna look at this together uh, today. But, but following Jesus leads to fishing for Jesus. And so let's look at this idea of Jesus' invitation so Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he, he comes across these two brothers, uh, Simon, who later is called Peter. We maybe know him as Peter, and, and Andrew, his brother, and they're casting a net into the sea, and, and he comes and he says, follow me. And so he, this is how I picture it kind of looking. Um, so Simon and Andrew are standing in the water. Maybe they're kind of weighted up to their knees or their waist, but it doesn't say anything about a boat, and so we kind of can just sort of speculate and maybe assume that they didn't have a boat, and so they're kind of standing in the water, and they're fishing with a certain method where they would cast the net out into the water, and then together they would pull it in and try and catch fish uh, sort of directly from the shore. And so Jesus walks along, and he says, hey, come follow me, right? And then he, and then he, follow, he, he keeps going, and he finds James and John, and this time they're not standing on the shore, but they're actually in a boat. It says they were mending their nets with their father. So they were maybe coming back from a trip through the night. Uh, maybe they are getting ready to go out that day. And, uh, and he says, hey, come follow me. Let's go. And so Jesus, what he's doing here uh, is he's kind of taking on the role of a rabbi in that culture. So in Jewish culture at that time, rabbis were sort of the religious teachers of the day. Right? And so they were the ones who were highly educated. They knew scripture. They knew God's law. And people looked to them. Uh, disciples would come to them and they would come to them when they, when they were uh, young, young boys becoming men, and, and they would come and approach a rabbi, and they would say, Rabbi, would, would you take me on? Can I become your disciple? And so when Jesus is approaching these guys, he's, he's saying, let me be your rabbi, but he's not waiting for disciples to come to him, but he's, he's going to them. All right, and so I think that there's actually something really significant in that because uh, it's, it's, it's simply this, that Jesus chose you before you were willing or ready to choose him. That Jesus chose you guys this morning. The reason why you're here today, the reason why you're part of this church, the reason why you know God is because Jesus chose you, as Nick said. He chose you from the beginning of time, from before the foundation of the world. Jesus chose you. So that should just speak incredible value over all of your lives. So Jesus chose you. Uh, a little bit of background on these guys again. So uh, the fact that the Peter and Andrew are fishing from, from the shore means they maybe didn't even own a boat, okay? And so when you're a fisherman, uh, in, in that time, you're pretty low class to begin with, right? That's not the most prestigious job. Uh, they weren't the wealthiest men. Uh, and the fact that they were already fishing means they, maybe they had gone to a rabbi as, as they were uh, kids becoming, becoming uh, adults, and, and maybe they had approached a rabbi and said, would you take me on? I want to be a disciple. I want to learn scripture. I want to learn God's law. And the fact that now we see them fishing means that probably didn't pan out. And so maybe they were passed over by, by the other rabbis in their day, the other rabbis in their, their town. But, but Jesus comes and he says, even though you're the poorest of the poor, even though you're a fisherman and you can't even afford a boat to fish in. He says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so uh, there's, there's truth in that for us today because Jesus doesn't choose us because we've got our lives together. Jesus doesn't choose you because you're smart enough. You didn't come to Christ. You didn't get saved because uh, you had the intellect, the mental capacity to figure it out. It's because Jesus chose you. You didn't uh, get saved because you got your life together and you cleaned up your act. You got saved because Jesus invited you. Because Jesus called you out and he said, come follow me. 
So this speaks great hope to us because Jesus calls everybody to himself. He extends this invitation to everyone, rich, poor, whatever social class you come from, whatever background you come from, whatever education level you come from, wherever in the world you come from, Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So then the disciples just respond. It says the disciples dropped their nets. It says they left their nets, they left the boat, they left their father. Really, they left everything and they went and they followed Jesus. So this kind of represents certain things in our lives, right? Because for, for these men, if they're fishermen, that's how they feed themselves. That's how they take care of their family if they had a family, right? Is this is their livelihood. But yet Jesus comes and grabs these guys. He said, hey, come follow me. And I'm going to give you a whole new way of living. I'm going to give you a whole new purpose. And so they drop their nets. They leave their boat. So it's just like saying, like, Jesus, I'll leave this career behind so that I can follow you. Right? They leave their father. They're saying, you know what, Jesus, my relationship with you is more important that that even if, if it comes at, at the, the cost of sacrificing other relationship in my life. Jesus, I want all in. I want to follow you. And so that's the choice that we have presented to us in the Christian faith. Jesus is saying, come follow me. Sometimes it means leaving things behind so that we can follow Jesus more fully. So what do you need uh, to give up so that you can follow Jesus more fully today? Uh, for, for some people, it's, uh, for some people it's fear. You need to leave behind fear. Right? Because I think sometimes when we think about following Christ and trusting God for big things in our lives, uh, that's scary. That's scary because it means uh, giving up control in our lives. And that's something that we love to hang on to. I love to be in control of my life. But Jesus says, give me control. So for some of you, uh, your sense of wanting to, to hang on or, or your fear of letting go is keeping you from following Jesus. So you need, to, you need to confront that in your life. You need to replace that with the truth. There's other lies that we believe. We believe that if we step out and trust God um, by, by being obedient to what he's calling us to do, that, that he's going to let us down. Right? And so, so we believe certain lies about following God that, that keep us from saying, I want to be all in. Right? Sometimes there's sinful patterns, and maybe in this room, in a room this big, there's, there's sinful patterns, there's ways that we live our lives that, that we know in our heart, that we know, God, this is not your plan for me. Lord, I know you have, you have a better way for me to live, and I know that there's freedom from this. And so Jesus is calling you, he's, he's saying, come follow me. Leave that old way behind, because I'm going to give you an entirely new way of living. And so maybe it's a sinful pattern. For me, um, I've been... I've been really kind of wrestling through this and God's been growing me in this area, but for me, it's pride. Uh, I, he's calling me to leave my pride, to give up my pride so that I can follow him more fully because you know what I've come to realize is that the more I care about myself and the more I care about what others think of me, the less I care about what others think of Jesus. And there's something that's, that's really, really twisted with that way of thinking. That the more I care about myself and the more I care about how people view me, the less I care about what people think of Jesus, how people view Jesus. And so he's saying, Nathan, I'm asking you to set your pride down, to set your reputation aside so that you can work building my kingdom, so that you can join me in my mission of fishing for people. Right? We're going to make fishers of men. We're going to make fishers of women. Right? We're going to cast the net of God's love wide and we want to bring it in and capture the hearts of men and women for the, for the, the kingdom of God. 
right? This idea that we talk, if you've been around church, you've heard the idea of the kingdom of God, but it's this idea that things are not the way that they should be today. There are hurting people. There's brokenness. There's loneliness. There's sickness. There's death. There's disease. There's racism. None of this is what God intended. But when Jesus came to earth, when he, when he walked along the Sea of Galilee, and when he said, come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men, he's saying, come join in my mission of casting the net wide, of spreading the news of God's love in this world, and just bringing people in, just capturing hearts with that love. That's what Jesus invites us into. And so for us, when we follow Jesus more fully, when we say, God, I want to be all in for that, when you move towards becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus, there's just this change that begins to occur in our hearts, right? Because Jesus' mission becomes your mission. The things that, that God wants becomes the things that you want, right? It's, it's like this with our relationships with people. The more time you spend with somebody, uh, you begin to kind of think like them in a certain way, and you begin to see things uh, more or less uh, towards how they see it. You know, so I have a friend who's an, another pastor, uh, south of Calgary, and uh, he has kind of a weird hobby. He, he likes collecting bottles of root beer um, that are different from, from all over the place. So he's got uh, bottles of root beer from Germany, from France, from the States, all over, all, all across Canada. Uh, he collects root beer, uh, which is not something that is like necessarily high on my list of things to do. Um, but he took, he, he had me over for, uh, for lunch one day, and I got to meet his family and his kids, and um, and, uh, and he took me into his garage, and he showed me his garage, and he built these shelves devoted to holding these empty bottles of root beer that he once drank, and it, he even put them in order. This is just weird to me. It's like, why would you do this? But he, but he placed them in order, and he was kind of like walking me through, and I'm kind of like, uh, I should probably go soon. But he's like telling me, he's like, this one's from Toronto, and it, it, you know, it was kind of a, a lighter taste, and then this one is a sugarcane one, so it's much sweeter, and, and he's walking me through, and I'm like, dude, I do not care at all about this. I'm sorry, and I hope he never listens to this sermon, um, but, but so Byron, Byron has brought me in, in, in into this world where he says, uh, man, this is something that like, I'm, for whatever reason, passionate about, and I love, and I want to collect different bottles. He has 96, I think, different root beer bottles there. And so it's kind of changed me a little bit where now as I've become friends with Byron, I start to care about the things that Byron starts to care about to the point where I was in a Max one day. I was in a corner store and I was walking past the cooler and I happened to notice a, a bunch of bottles of root beer. And I would never do this normally, but I stopped and I, and I looked through and in my mind I kind of ran down the list of what I know he would have tried and I found one that he hadn't tried and I called him and I said, I said, Byron, have you, have you tried this one? I forget the name. I said, Byron, have you tried this kind of root beer? And he said, no. And that was amazing to me because it's like, man, I can help you. <laughs> this is awesome. I have a part to play. And so this thing that I never would have thought of for myself became this thing that now I'm aware of and it's changing the way that I live. It's changing the way that I think, right? And, and it's so much more so that way when it comes to growing in our relationship with Jesus, so much more than growing in a relationship with a person. When we become like Christ, when we follow Christ, uh, his mission, his heart becomes our heart. And Jesus' heart is to fish for men and for women everywhere and just share the good news of God's love with them. So Jesus' invitation leads uh, to our transformation, right? Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And if you just think, think through that wording, when Jesus says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, there's only one command 
in that statement, right? What is the command? Follow me, right? He doesn't say follow me and try your very best to be a fisher of men. Follow me and tell lots of people and, and, and bring lots of people into the kingdom. He just says follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Right? Because this is just something that begins to happen in us, right? As we follow Jesus. So fishermen, uh, what they do, they cast the net or they cast the line or whatever they're doing. Um, and, and their goal is to just bring up fish. It's to catch fish. And again, when he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men, he's saying, you're not going to catch just fish anymore. You're going to catch people. You're going to catch people with the good news that, that there's a hope that they can have for free. Whereas before they had no hope that there's peace that belongs to every person who would come to God. That there's joy, there's freedom, there's love that they don't deserve, but my Father is going to give it to them freely. He says, I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you people who fish that way. So Jesus makes us fishers of men and women as we follow him. And so as the gospel kind of sinks into our hearts in greater ways, as we remind ourselves, uh, just like we sang this morning, that we're no longer slaves to fear, that we're, we're children of God. As that good news becomes good news to us, we just want to share that good news, right? And so there's, there's some principles here. Uh, I was kind of thinking this through, uh, this, this analogy, this metaphor of fishing and how that relates to fishing for people, right? This idea of evangelism. Sometimes we call it evangelism or witnessing. Evangel- evangelism just means sharing good news, right? Because we have a good news that Jesus saves us. <clears throat> and so principles that apply to fishing, uh, these are just a few of them. There's different methods. There's different ways to fish. You can fish, as we saw in this story, from a boat. You can fish from the shore. You can fish with a, with a rod and reel. You can fish with a giant net. Uh, and there's different ways that people share Christ as well. You know, there's, there's, there's opportunities like this where, you know, maybe somebody gets to speak to a large group of people. There's, uh, there's chances you have that, that I might never have because uh, you could sit down with a coworker at lunch who doesn't know Jesus and you can spend time just building into their, their life and, and sharing God's love with them, right? Uh, so depending on kind of like how God's wired you and the situations that God's placed you in, there's different methods for this. It doesn't have to look a certain way, right? Jesus just says, go fish for people. Go share this love. Go share this news. Um, the second, second point, point is this, that the fisher can't control. Ultimately, the fisher can't control when and where uh, he catches fish. You know, there's, there's skill that you can acquire, you know, and, and there's knowledge that you can learn. You can learn about the best time of day to go fishing or the best spot in a lake. Uh, but ultimately, when you go fishing, you can never absolutely guarantee that you're going to catch something. And I think we need to remind ourselves of this truth that, that when it comes to going out into the world and, and just mixing it up with people who aren't a part of this church, who aren't a part of God's uh, family, that it's not up to us. Jesus doesn't say it's all on you, right? Because Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus died so that we don't have to. Jesus saves because we are incapable of saving ourselves and we're incapable of saving anybody else anyone else around us. And so uh, ultimately, it's, it's not up to us, but he asks for our involvement. And then the last one is this. The best way to catch uh, more fish is just by continually casting the net, right? Fishing can be an awkward thing the first time you try it. 
And so can evangelism. So can sharing your faith. Uh, and, and I still feel, I'm, I'm, this is something that I'm trying to do a lot, and it's a desire that God's growing in my heart. Um, I want to reach lost people with the gospel, and I want to reach university students and, and young families. And, and so I'm trying to tell lots of people about Jesus. And sometimes it's just hard, and it feels clunky and weird and awkward, and, and, and I'm not very good at it. But the best way to get better is just by doing it and doing it and doing it. And so we need to be people who just make a commitment to saying, I want to practice sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I need to tell people in my life. I need to demonstrate it with the way that I live my life. So continually cast the net. So what are some things that keep us from sharing our faith? What are the things that keep us from accepting Jesus' offer to go fishing with him? Uh, I asked a bunch of people this. I sent a Facebook message out because I was, I was kind of like crowdsourcing my sermon this week. And uh, so I sent this email out to a bunch of people and I said, hey guys, when it comes to sharing your faith, telling people about God, uh, what stops you most of the time? And here are the top three answers I got. The first one is this. It's pride, right? It's like I shared. When I care about myself and how I look, I don't care as much how Jesus looks. And friends, we need to be a church. We need to be a group of men and women who say, more than anything, I want Jesus to look good. I want Jesus to be famous in my life. I want Jesus to be famous in my world. Because nothing else matters more than people crossing that line from death to life, from old to new. And so we need to care. So, so part of that is just dropping our pride. It's lowering our pride and saying that my reputation is less important than God's glorification, than Jesus' glorification. Right? Jesus needs to be raised up. And if that means that I need to be made less, like John the Baptist says, right? He needs to become greater. I must become less. So that's the first thing, is, is, is this pride that we feel about wanting to look good, not wanting to be weird or, or do something that's not normal with our friends. Uh, the second way is this, it's complacency, right? We look at this idea of evangelism and leading people into a relationship with Christ, and we say, like, man, that's, that is hard work. That's tough. And we, we lack this sense of urgency, right? I think sometimes I look at my relationships with friends, and, um, and I look and I say, man, I, I have a lifetime with this person. I have a lifetime to, to be praying for them and to, you know, and I, and I make excuses in my mind. And so I become complacent. Right? And the, the truth is that we need to have just a desperate urgency to see people, to see our friends, to see uh, lost family members, to see the, the people who live down the street from us. We need to see those people enter into God's kingdom. We need to see God do that work in our lives. And then the last one is this, and this was something that every single person, of everybody that I, that I asked, every single person responded, uh, and this was one of the things that they said, and they said, uh, it's fear. Fear keeps me back. Fear keeps me from showing the love of God in my world. As fear can be different things. It could be fear of failure. It could be saying, what if it doesn't work? Well, that'll be awkward. It could be uh, fear of the loss of a relationship, saying, what if I, what if I say too much or I say the wrong thing? And and then this person that I've been friends with, they, they step back and they say, I don't, I don't really want to do this anymore. You know, it could be fear of not having the right answer to a question. If they ask a question about, um, about God or they say, can you explain the Trinity to me? And, you know, and they ask some really deep question. You're like, what if I don't have the answer to it? You know, right? And so we, we allow that fear to keep us from sharing. We allow that fear to keep us from following God. And, and really all of these things, pride, complacency, and fear, all these things come about when we take Jesus off the throne in our lives, when we take Jesus out of the center and we make him secondary. 
right? Secondary to something else. Secondary to what people think of me. Secondary to another relationship in my life other than my relationship with Christ. All of these things come about when we say, Jesus, you are second place in my life. Because when Christ comes first, when we say, Jesus, more than anything, I want to follow you and serve you, then our pride begins to melt away. Our complacency is, is replaced with just this passion for Jesus and this passion to see people know him. And our fear is just taken away and it's replaced with boldness that comes from the Spirit working and living in us. So we need to get back to Jesus. We need to make Jesus central in our, in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, so just to get back uh, to the, the fishing story before, um, so before the storm came in, before I almost became a human lightning rod, we'd spent hours uh, fishing, and, and it was just repetitive, and it was slow, and to be honest, it wasn't all that fun. It was just reeling. It was casting and reeling and casting and reeling and just waiting and watching. But then eventually we caught something. Eventually we caught a fish. After hours and hours of this repetitive process, finally we caught something. I'm not a very good fisher, so I only caught one fish but we caught a fish. And you know what, guys? About a year ago, uh, I, I met this guy in our community where we want to serve. Our house church was doing uh, a service project in the community, and, uh, and I met this guy. His name's Dustin. He's about my age. And, uh, and we had this conversation, and we talked a little bit about faith, and I invited him to come to a barbecue that our church was putting on. And, uh, and so through that, we got to kind of get to know one another a little bit. And we built this relationship up, and he started attending our church. And so he started hearing, for the first time in his life, he started hearing about God, about who God is, about how you have a relationship with him and Jesus. And so then about a year ago, uh, he sat me down one day after church, and he said, we got to grab coffee. He said, we got to go for coffee. He's like, because I can't stop thinking about Jesus. We need to talk. And so, so that day, we grabbed coffee, and we sat down and he asked me questions about God and how you can know him. And he asked me questions about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and that day, Dustin gave his heart to the Lord. Right? Jesus caught a fish that day. I didn't. Jesus caught a fish. And Jesus, for some reason, he said, Nathan, I'm going to use you. You're super screwed up. You're not very good at this. But he says, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Let's go fishing. Right? And there's been more stories of that happening. And, and again, this is not something that I'm saying, I've got this figured out. This is something that I'm preaching to myself because I need to grow in this. But we need to have this desire to say, more than anything in my life, I want to spend my life following Jesus, making fishers of men and fishing for people, just casting the net of God's love wide with the way I live my life, with the way that I speak into others' lives. We've got to follow Jesus in this, friends. We've got to go fishing for, we gotta go fishing for men and fishing for women. Because there are lost people just outside these church walls. There are lost people who are facing eternity apart from the love of the Father. And that can't be okay with us. We're the church that can't be okay. And so we need to go out there. And we need to get fishing. So uh, I just have a, a quick application. This is something that has kind of blessed me. Um, and it's helped me think through uh, just how we reach people. And so this is an acronym. This is uh, a guy uh, from the States came up with this. So maybe you've heard this before, uh, but it's been super helpful to me, and, and I hope that maybe something can be helpful to you. Uh, so the first uh, one in, in fishing for people, where do we start? Uh, it says this. It says begin with prayer. 
We need to be people more than anything who just pray for God to bring people into our lives, to bring us into a relationship with people outside of this church. Because maybe, uh, maybe you're like me. I grew up in church, and for a long, long time, all of my friends were people who believed and thought the same way I did. And that's not okay. That's not why Jesus put me here. That's not why Jesus put me on earth. Right? He says, go fish for people who don't have that yet. And so, so maybe that's you now. Maybe you, you have three or four or five people that come to mind and you're saying, I've got to be praying for these people. So then do that. Write those names down. Pray every morning. Pray every night. God, would you lead these people to, to yourself? Would you use me? Would you give me conversations? Give me opportunities to love them in your name. And if you were like me growing up, then, then just pray. God, bring me into community. Bring me into places where I can meet these people and build a relationship with them. Uh, me and a couple friends, uh, we, last year, this is a really, like, this is not good strategy at all or anything, but we're like, man, we don't know enough lost people, so we joined a dodgeball team. And that's our, that's our evangelistic strategy. It's, it's brilliant, I know, but on Tuesday nights, we would get together, and we would throw dodgeballs at people, and then we would go out for food, and we would talk about God, or we would talk about dodgeball, or we would talk about anything. But those became the people that I, I built relationship with and uh, those are the people that I prayed for and those are the people that I invited to come to church with me. And we actually saw God do stuff through that. And so uh, this could look like anything, but begin with prayer. Pray for people. Second is this, it's listen. As you're having conversations with people, don't come in preloaded with all these answers of I'm gonna prove God to them. I'm gonna win them over right here, right now. Just listen, right? Because maybe God's called you in a relationship with that person for a very specific reason. Because maybe that person is going through something right then in that moment that you dealt with and Jesus helped you with, right? Maybe they're facing depression or anxiety and that was something that, that you've walked through. Or maybe you're struggling with health issues and, and this person has the same health issues and you get to point to God and say, you know what, I still have these problems but, but God is giving me peace in this and he's giving me hope. Right? And so, so listen, actually listen and, and hear what's going on in their life. So the third one, this is my favorite part of this whole strategy, and it's eat. Right? We all can do that. We all eat. Okay? If you eat three square meals a day, I'm not good at math, but I can count that. That's 21 meals in a week that you're just going to eat anyway, so why don't you make that with a lost person? You know, whether that's at work or maybe after school or uh, in the mornings, you can meet a person for coffee. Just say, hey, I'm going to be here at this time. Why don't, why don't we grab a cup of coffee together. Why don't we grab lunch and let's, let's talk about what's going on in your life. Let's just, let's just have a conversation over, over a, co- a cup of coffee or over some food. So take time to eat with people. There's something about eating together that people just begin to bring down walls in their life. People begin to open up over, over a shared meal. So eat with one another. Uh, first S is serve. We need to be people who just seek to serve others. Right? The Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we just got to follow Jesus in that. We need to serve people. So there's ways to do that, you know. There's, you, could, you could cut somebody's grass or you could shovel someone's snow, right? And you don't even have to say anything. But over time, that's, that's going to begin to actually speak something into their life. And what it does is it opens a door for the last S, and that's to share the story of Jesus. We have to get to this point. We talk a lot, if, if you're familiar with evangelism and, and witnessing to our neighbors, we talk a lot about friendship evangelism, which really is not evangelism at all because evangelism without talking about Jesus isn't really evangelism. 
And so this isn't something, I'm not saying go out there and force these conversations. I'm not saying go out there. You, you need to go out and you need to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. You got to say, God, I need you to lead me. You got to open doors because if I just go guns blazing talking about Christ, I'm going to push a lot of people away. But yet at the same time, he, he says, go make, we're going to go fish for people together. And the way that we do that, you got to tell people about Jesus. And so when you begin with prayer, pray for that opportunity. Say, Jesus, lead me in these conversations. Because that's what Jesus is saying to all of us. He's saying, let's go fishing together. Let's go fishing together. Right where you are, with the relationships you have, in the places you work, let's go fishing together. And the reality is this, we need to get to the gospel. We need to get to the good news because if all that we hear, if all we walk away from today is, man, as a church, we really suck at evangelism. We suck at being fishers of people. So go do better. Man, we've missed the point totally. Because the reality is this. The reality is this, that just as we talked about the sacrifice of having to lay down pride, of having to um, lay down my fears, of having to, to deal with the lies that I believed, this comes at sacrifice. It comes at cost. It costs you your time. It might cost you what people think of you. It might cost you some money. It might cost you energy. It could cost you everything. It could cost you your life following Jesus and fishing for people. But the reality is, as, as great a cost as it is to us, the good news is this, that it costs Jesus infinitely more. This is why this is good news that's worth sharing, is because we don't know a God who's far off, but we know Jesus Christ who came to earth. He traveled the furthest distance. He gave up the greatest honor. He left the greatest relationship. He paid the greatest price so that you and I could be caught up in his grace, so that we could be caught up in his love. And that's the message that the world needs to hear. That's the message that your friends need to hear. It's the message that your coworkers need to hear. It's the message that your neighbors need to hear. Just take a look right now. Just take a look around this room. This room is full of men and women who have relationship with other people all over the place, all over the city of Airdrie, maybe all over this area. Think of all the relationships. Think of all the lives that need to be changed. Think of all the lives that can be changed. Not by you, but by Christ working in you, by Christ saying, come, follow me, let's go. Let's go fishing together. So this good news needs to become truly good news to us because good news is worth sharing. That you and I, man, when we were lost in our sin and our brokenness, Jesus chose us. He didn't choose us because we were worth it. He didn't choose us because you were smart enough, because you had your life together. But he looked at you and he looked at me and he saw brokenness. And he said, I can heal that. He said, I can heal that. Come follow me. Come follow me. And more than that, Jesus, Jesus went to the one place where we can't follow. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross and he paid the price for our sin. He paid the price for our disobedience. Right? So God, who's totally loving and totally just, is satisfied because you and I are so broken and the people that God is calling you to go fishing for are so broken that it took Jesus going to the cross to save them. 
We're so sinful that Jesus had to go to the cross, but yet we're so loved that Jesus was glad to go to the cross for us. That's truth that's worth sharing. That's truth that leaves me saying, God, no matter what people think of me, I want people to know that. And God, if I can spend my whole life just joining you in that mission, joining you in fishing for people, Jesus, I leave the results to you. I leave the how, the where, the why to you. But Jesus, I want to fish for people. I want to follow you into that. And so if that's you this morning, maybe there's people that God's placed on your heart, that the Spirit's just speaking to you, and there's, there's a name or there's two names, three names of people in your life that you already have a relationship with, and God's saying, I want you to get after those people. I want you to go fish for those people. If God's doing something in your heart, if he's, if he's stirring in you in response, and you, and you just want to stand today and say, Jesus, I want to follow you more fully today because there are lost people that are facing eternity apart from you, then I would just encourage you to stand this morning. Take a stand and say, Jesus, I want to pray every day because the people I love are people that you love. Jesus is going to do amazing things, you guys. God loves you so much, and he loves this church, and he's proud of you. And you need to hear that. He loves you so much, and he loves these people outside these walls so much. So I want to pray, and then we're going to close with a song in response. But, but I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would give us this power, that he would give us a new desire, that he'd give us a new heart to say, God, I can't be okay with the fact that my friends don't know you. That can't be okay anymore. So Jesus, change my heart. Give me new desires. So let's pray that together. Jesus, you are so much greater than we even than we even realize. And there's grace for us in that. And God, I pray that you would show us more and more how good you are and that you would give us a taste of the life that you're just continually inviting us into. You're saying, come follow me each and every day. Follow me. Let's go. Let's fish for people. So Jesus, we pray for our friends and our family and our neighbors and our coworkers who don't know you. Jesus, we can't save them, but you can. And we ask that you would use us as your tools to do that work. So God, we want to cast the net each and every day. God, we want to tell people about your love. We want to live the life that reflects your love. And so God, would you help us to do that? Would you give us your power? So Spirit, uh, God, fill us again. Fill our hearts. God, break our hearts for people around us who are missing out on the hope and the joy and the peace and the love that we have in you, God. Jesus, we thank you that we can just look to the cross and see that you paid every price to just come fishing for us so that you could gather us up into your love, into your kingdom, into new life. So Jesus, would you just send us out with that as our motivation? God, we pray these things in your name and Jesus, for your glory. Amen.